This is the space where a theme song should be. Alas, there is no song. It is just me. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to episode number five of the Joe DeVoe Show. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, but you can call me Joe, and I am here to uplift and support my fellow creatives, lovable weirdos, and makers of magic. And today I have some help from a very special guest, an extremely inspiring, with it, shockingly together woman, Teresa Reed. The tarot lady is on the podcast today. I'm a little bit excited about that. And it's raining. It's raining. I'm recording this intro the day of. I want to post at noon, but it's raining so hard my internet is not behaving and you probably can hear the rain in the background because it's super loud. You would think this old house, this 110-year-old house has a tin roof. does not, but it does make a lot of noise when it's rainy, so if you're hearing that right now, don't be mad. California needs its rain, especially this year. It's been so pretty here. It was an exceptionally sunny winter and spring got rolling, I think even before we had Imolk. So Imolk was not a transition between winter and spring. It was like, kapow! Spring is here! Spring is here! It was so early this year and it's been gorgeous. But if you know anything about California, you know we need rain and when we don't get enough rain our summers are super dry and it's scary it's scary and dangerous to live here so i love it rain happens to be my favorite weather maybe because i live in southern california and it's a rarity it's special when it's raining but also i don't really mind the noise i tried to wait it out for a bit before i recorded this intro but i was like you know i feel like it's a pleasant form of ambiance. Let's just call it ambiance. This episode of the podcast has the ambiance of rain <laughs> and the hope of a less dry summer. So I'm enjoying it and I hope you don't mind the sound. So this is the third time I have had Teresa Reed on the podcast, formerly for episodes of Hippie Witch. We're just rolling into the Joe DeVoe show, and I'm really excited that she agreed to come on a third time. And I say that because I'm going to link to those old interviews, and I'm also going to link to an episode of her podcast. She has two podcasts. One of them is called Tarot Bites. And she had me on that show a while back to talk about this idea that I had of why the tower card follows the devil in tarot. And I still love that concept. I refuse to listen to that episode because I don't like to listen back to myself, which is funny because I'm a podcaster who edits her podcast. <laughs> I am forced to listen to myself. I do it for you, okay? I do it because I want the show to be as pleasant as possible for you. But I do not enjoy listening to myself, especially with a cushion of a lot of time. And so I will link to that in the hopes that it's still cool. I don't know. But I like the concept that we were talking about. Why the devil is followed by the tower card in tarot. And of course tarot is what we're going to be talking about here today. But also Teresa shares some really valuable life 
and business advice. She is a seriously organized, highly structured, follow through on all the things, biz, witchy, badass. And she does not mince words, which I find exciting. I have a lot of respect for her work ethic and dedication to her craft as a tarot and astrology author, teacher, queen. I know people come at her hard with a lot of challenging questions and they look up to her as a teacher and a leader. And so she has a unique perspective on the world of tarot that way because she has been the tarot lady for such a long time. And I actually can't even imagine that level of attention because the level of attention that I get sometimes feels a little bit challenging for me to manage. And I know it's nothing compared to what she must be experiencing daily. I love to hear what she has to say. It's always sassy, but down to earth at the same time. And this is just a really great conversation with someone who knows what she's talking about. So grab yourself a cup of something, something good. Sit back and listen and enjoy. Hi, Teresa. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Joanna, thank you so much for inviting me back. It is always such a pleasure to hang with you. So thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to link in the show notes to the two interviews we did before this. I interviewed you for Tarot for Troubled Times and Tarot No Questions Asked. And shockingly, you had me on your Tarot Bites podcast once. I was so taken aback when you invited me onto your show. I was like, me? Oh, yes. You had plenty to say, too. That was a great episode. I'm a tarot enthusiast, but not a tarot expert. So it's fun to bring a tarot expert on the show. Yay. Well, you know, I got to tell you, though, sometimes people who are enthusiasts have insights that I haven't considered. So I'm always open. You just never know who you're going to learn from or what you're going to learn. So uh, I like to say because of a Gemini, I'm very curious and teach me something. I'm open. I, I'm probably going to learn something from everybody that I encounter every day of my life, right? Honestly, the best teachers are like that. I just saw you say something in maybe your most recent blog post about being a teacher, but also how you're always learning and taking classes and reading books. And I'm like, okay, people, if the tarot lady <laughs> is still learning, we all have something to learn. Well, uh, you know, I'm one of those big believers that you should keep learning, especially if you're going to take your work seriously. I treat tarot and astrology like my craft. This is my art. That doesn't mean, okay, I studied for a couple months. Now I'm like a total pro and I'm good to go. And I never have to learn anything again. That's ridiculous. But there are people who think they can take like a six week course and suddenly they're like, well, I'm going to go pro now. And it's like, well, wait a minute, that course may have given you the basics on how to read, but reading and reading for the public is a completely different animal. And you have to have good chops, good people skills, and you don't get that after six weeks. It takes years to get there. And even after you get to the point where you go pro, you still have to learn new things. You still have to keep up with what other people are teaching out there and you have to keep perfecting your skills you know i always think because i hang out with a lot of musicians and always have been around musicians all my life musicians don't just take a couple classes and now they're a professional musician there is a great deal of practice and training and continuing 
education and practice every day. My son is a classically trained percussionist and, you know, he practices every day. Like I'll call him and he'll, I'm like, what are you doing right now? He goes, well, I'm practicing. Mm. That's how you get good. That's how you stay good. It isn't a one and done situation. I think it's very important for people to never assume that you're done learning. There's always a new angle. And when you get to that attitude too, where you're so arrogant to think, I don't need to learn more. Let me tell you, tarot will teach you something that you didn't expect. Mm. You'll just have your own little tarot tower moment. <laughs> yeah, you actually, you will. And, and I've seen it happen. I'll never forget one year, many, many years ago, there was this woman who took some classes and she was gung-ho to be reading as a pro. And uh, this was at a little occult shop that no longer exists. And I was one of the featured readers there. And she was like itching and itching and demanding that she be put on the calendar. And so finally the owners relented. They're like, uh, okay, well, we'll let you have a day. And so the day that she read, a guy came in with his daughter and this guy had had a reading with me like the week before. And so he really loved his reading and he brought his daughter in. And he's like, oh, I thought I was going to have Teresa. And she's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm new on the schedule. And the reading was so bad that they wanted a refund. And she left the store crying mm. because she wasn't ready. Why is there such a hurry to be a pro? Why is there such a hurry to monetize our passions? Why not sit with them a little? And again, even after you've been at it a while, you still should be learning new things. I take classes every so often because it's good for me. What have you learned lately that you think is interesting or significant? I took a class with Rebecca Gordon and she's an amazing astrologer. I've taken a number of classes with her. And one of the classes she was teaching was an intermediate class and they had a thing on horary astrology, which horary astrology, I did not know much about. I never played with it. It's like, okay, I don't know if this is for my, for me, but it was so much fun and so fascinating. I'm like, Oh my God, will I use it? Will I put it into my repertoire? I don't know if I'm going to do that. I need to learn more, but it certainly was something that got me interested. I got obsessed with it and found it to be, again, just another thing to really open up and expand my mind. So it's can good I, for you. Can I ask you something challenging here? You can ask me whatever you want. Okay. For the last few years, I won't say I'm an astrology skeptic. I just got... I was on a really fast learning curve, like really enjoying it and into it. And I just stepped away. Mm -hmm. I still very much am interested in personal natal charts. I think that's really fascinating. But I think what burnt me out on it is the micromanaging of the astro weather and people getting really caught up in that. And it just started to seem unproductive to me in a way where it was just like a lot of, I don't know, just kind of obsessing on, you know, when do I do this? How do I do that? Oh, this is why this happened. And so I don't know actually what the question is in that is just, why do you enjoy it so much? Why didn't you ever hit that point or did you? Well, here is the thing. You can really easily go down a rabbit hole and start noodling around with it and getting lost in all the details. And I've seen so many people do that where they won't make a move without consulting. But by the way, I do for business, I absolutely use astrology for business. Let me come back to that thought. Okay. But I have seen some people who get absolutely paralyzed by astrology lights. Like, well, you know, I'm under this Uranus transit right now and it's making this aspect of that. And, yes. Oh my God. And it's like, 
listen, find the most important things, the big points, the big pictures, find three big details, and then go with that. If you start getting to the point where you are going down a spiral and getting into the point where you're splitting hairs, it's no longer going to serve you. It's going to make you mad. So I think that that is very easy to get like that. I'm a very detailed person. I've got three, here's, here's astrology talk. I've got three planets in Virgo. So mm. I love fiddling around with things. But when I'm looking at it, I'm never looking at like, let me get lost in these details. Like what's the big point here? What's the big picture? And how can I use this? Yeah. So my perspective is never about fine tuning everything to such a degree that it becomes useless. Like, let me use an example. So let's say you're, you're under your Jupiter return. That's a great transit. That's awesome. You should be expanding and growing. But I come across people say, well, yeah, but it's it's doing this and it's doing that. And oh, my moon is doing this today and Mercury's. And I'm like, but you're under your Jupiter return. The big picture is here. Why are you fussing over this stuff? Why are you fussing over these little tiny things when the big picture is really great? Mm. You know, so that people can do that. And again, I think for me, the reason why I don't get sick of it and I don't get lost there is because I'm very specific about what I'm using it for. And I always dial down to what is the biggest point here. And if there's a million little details, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's not that important. What is the big picture here? And that's how I use it. When I look at like, for example, a natal chart, I'm concerned with some major points in the chart. If I'm looking at your natal chart, I want to know what your moon is all about. I want to know where your Saturn is and what your Saturn is doing. And I also want to know what's happening with Jupiter in your chart. Those are going to be the main things that I'm looking at. I also like to look at what's your natal moon, what's your progressed moon. You know, this is showing a lot about your emotional state. But then when we start dialing down into all these other little things, we have to, again, look at the bigger picture for everything. It's, it's too easy to get hamstrung if you allow that. But that also creates what I call astro excuses. Mm. Here's the thing. People will sometimes then use all these little details to get out of taking responsibility for their life. They'll say, well, you know, I can't do this. No, don't, don't tell me that. No, that, that's, that's it. Bullshit. That's it, that's Teresa. It. You just nailed it on the head. Yep. That is what used to bug me so much. I was just like, I'm out. I, I am interested in the broad strokes and yes. I'm interested in the natal chart, but that just Using well, it as a cop-out drives me bananas. Sure. And people do that with their natal chart. Like, well, you know, I can't help it. See, I've got this Mars in Pisces. It's like, wait a minute, Mars in Pisces, there's good things about it. Why are you listening to this negative stuff and using it as, as an excuse to not take responsibility and to tap into your gifts? Or if somebody has like a quote-unquote bad chart, I've got a quote-unquote bad chart. Uh -oh. oh, oh, God. Sometimes astrologers look <laughs> at my chart and they wince and they're like, oh my God, what a terrible chart. I'm like, this is not a terrible chart. This is a chart where there are challenges and those challenges can help you to grow, but you got to learn how to work with it. One thing I want to say real quick, I don't know if you ever watched Project Runway. So there's mm -hmm. a person on there, Tim Gunn. And I like to think of astrology and tarot for that matter. Like I'm like the Tim Gunn of astrology and tarot because I never look at it from like, oh yeah, you're screwed or this or that. It's like, let's make it work. Mm -hmm. What's going on in the planets? What's going on in your chart? What are your cards? Let's make it work. Let's find the best path. Let's make you the best you possible. That perspective is a helpful perspective and that's going to prevent you from getting lost in those rabbit holes. What have you learned? What has been like your challenge or your make it work moment from your natal chart? 
Well, my natal chart is what's again considered a very messy chart. It's nothing but squares and oppositions. And a chart like that, for example, somebody says, oh my God, you know, you're gonna have so much trouble finding love. I'm like, what are you talking about? I've never had trouble finding a partner ever. You know, it's maybe I haven't picked good partners in the past. (laughs) So I maybe had bad taste in the past, but you know, I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Just because Saturn's in my house of romance and it's completely getting blasted by these planets doesn't mean that. It means that in relationships, maybe I need to be a little more discerning, Hmm. period. And I got more discerning as I got older and made a few mistakes because, you know, that is it. It's like, it's pointing something out. And you can look at that and say, oh, well, I guess I'm going to be screwed. I'm never going to find love. I'm like, no, that's not going to be my problem. I just got to, I got to start being a little bit more responsible with my choices here. Yeah. And you are in love and have been in a long-term, you're, you're married. Are you married? Yeah. I'm with my husband for 30 years. There you go. There you go. Live in, you know, but, but there are things too, like I had a transit and I love using this example. I had a transit that was setting off all my bad aspects. It was Saturn. It was going to go into my second house, the house of money. And oh, some of my astrologer friends said, oh, it looks like you're going to be broke, Teresa. And I'm like, that's not how this works. Saturn loves structure. And so what I did is I sat down and said, what is my goal? My goal is I'm going to pay off my mortgage early. So what I did is I created a structure. I created a budget. I got really serious about my goal. Saturn loves goals too. And then what I did is I knuckled down. I dialed back on my budget. I worked my tail end off. I clipped coupons. I did everything I could because I had a goal now. And was I broke? No, my finances were a little tighter because I had a goal. And what ended up happening is I paid off my mortgage 14 years early. Wow. Okay. This is one of my favorite things about you. And I know this from Twitter, you will set a goal and you will chip away at it until it is done. And one of the most fun things about following you on Twitter is you share it with us. You'll be like, I'm this many pages into writing my manuscript, you know, and you just keep updating us. And I think that is such an extraordinary thing to model as a person who actually does what you say you're going to do. I think keeping your word is one of the most important things you can do. And I also hope when I put things out there like that, that I can encourage people mm-hmm. that, hey, look, if, if I can do it, you can do it too. So it's always my goal is to make other people feel like, listen, we're all in this together. Again, let's make it work. If I can write these books, you can write these books. Here's how I'm doing it. Let me encourage you. Yeah. You are such a teacher and you love it. Clearly you clearly love teaching. Why? (laughs) What is that about? Like, what does that do for you? Well, I love sharing knowledge. I like being that one person who's like, Hey, listen, let me clue you in on something because I think there are people who teach and who are lovely teachers, but sometimes they really talk over people's heads, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to this stuff, like tarot and astrology. I cannot tell you how many people I've, I've talked to have been to classes and are like, Oh my God, that teacher just talked over me. And I'm like, listen, you can get the lingo down. You just need someone who's fluent and who's going to bring it down to earth for you. So let me help you with this. Mm-hmm. Um, because I remember, you know, times where I didn't feel I could learn certain things until I had the right teacher. And my favorite example is my my gym teacher. I'm not a, an athletic person at all. And I had a terrible gym te- I had a terrible gym teacher in grade school. And my freshman year in high school, I had another really mean gym teacher who really made me feel like, you know, like I was inadequate, I wasn't good enough. And so she gave me an F. Now I'm not someone who likes to get an F. 
And so that meant I wasn't going to graduate as early as I wanted to because I had a goal to get out of high school as fast as possible. But then the next year I got a teacher who was really nice and compassionate. And she made such a huge difference because she's like, well, I know you can do it. You just got to move a little slower or here's what you got to do. Or, oh, you can't swim. It looks like you can't swim at all, even though we're doing the lesson. So listen, you're going to be graded on holding my whistle. That's your job. And I'm like, okay. You know, and so I ended up then passing gym with good grades for the first time because I had a teacher that was kind enough that understood my athletic lack of abilities. And she also understood my deep fear of drowning and was incredibly, incredibly helpful. Oh, makes I, all the difference. It does. The pandemic has given me such an interesting perspective on teachers because my son has autism and he takes all these Zoom classes. Everything went online with the pandemic. And I see these teachers who meet people at all different kinds of levels of ability where they are. And what they do is one deep listening. And they're so patient because some of these people can barely speak. They just mm -hmm. make sounds or it takes them like a minute to get out a very small sentence. And never once have I seen any one of these teachers, I will say, be impatient, roll their eyes, rush them. And I'm like, whoa, this is, yep. this is just gorgeous. Well, you know, when I was a kid, some of my biggest influences were my teachers. My art teacher, Miss Leslie, was a massive influence on me when I was growing up. My mathematics teacher, Mr. Holty, was so fabulous. I had some really, really good teachers. And when you have great teachers, it makes you feel like, wow, I can do this and I can succeed. And I think a good teacher, it's not about you teaching. It's not about you hoarding that knowledge and being revered. It is about you really making sure that people feel heard that they can do it, that they're not stupid, mm -hmm. um, that you respect the student. Absolutely. Yeah. And you got to respect them where they are too. You know, I've worked with uh, students over the years from all levels, students who, even when I teach yoga, that's the other thing I teach too, although my studio has been closed for two years because of COVID, but it's always like, okay, well, how do we make this work for you? Okay. So like with yoga, all right, you're somebody who has um, extremely stiff limbs. How do we make it work? And how do we make you feel not ashamed? Because you're not like one of these bendy contortionists. Who cares about those people? Yeah. Let's work with the people who have the issues and get them feeling good in their bodies. That was always my yoga mantra. How long have you been teaching yoga? Well, until COVID came along, I, teach, I taught yoga for about 18 years. Wow. And my specialty was working with students who are not comfortable in a regular studio. So I would work with people who had physical issues. One of my students was uh, schizophrenic. I had students who had, you know, body image issues. They didn't want to wear shorts in class. They wanted to keep their socks on. I'm like, I don't care what you do. Just get in here and let's get your body moving. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting considering you were saying, I'm, I'm not an athletic person. And then, oh yeah, I taught yoga oh, for 18 years. <laughs> yeah, well, actually the ironic thing is I, I'm a, actually a pretty good yoga person. I have some limitations, of course, but I mean, yoga for me was such a game changer and I'm really good at teaching yoga. I, I actually, that's something I have a real gift for because I am compassionate because I have had my own physical issues and because I'm not athletic. So I can look at someone who says, oh, well, I can't bend. I'm like, well, you don't have to bend perfectly, but let's make your body feel better. 
you'll feel good to be in your body. So I can understand where they're coming from. And I've also been one of those people that I've been in yoga studios where I've gotten yelled at. So I love turning the beat around and getting people to feel good in their bodies. That feels great. Mm -hmm. And my, by the way, my gym teachers, if they would have, if they would see me now doing yoga, they would be like, oh my God, her, they would probably <laughs> freak. <laughs> you know, I have to highlight something you said, just because I want the women listening to like, really hear it. You said, I am really good at this. And this mm -hmm. is a gift I have. I just want to hear more women say that about themselves. We do not do it enough. We do not talk about our success enough. We do not do that because so many times when women say, you know, I'm really, really freaking good at what I do. We get backlash for that. And we get backlash from other women. That's it. That is it. Yes. I hate that. It's like, <laughs> why wouldn't you celebrate if one of us was winning? If one of us is winning, that means you can too. Why is my success a threat? And I got to tell you, there's, I mean, I downplay a lot of times my success because I don't need a target on my back. And sometimes I have encountered people who get really like, mad if you're succeeding they get weird with you it's almost like they want you to like fail I, I, to feel better i don't get it it's mm -hmm. like look again if someone's succeeding applaud them especially your fellow females please applaud them yes yeah i think it's just a scarcity thing like there's not enough to go around so if this person has a really big piece of the pie i don't get any yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I've, you know, I'm not a jealous person. So I never understand that type of mentality. It's not like the first thing I think of if someone's succeeding. I'm like, damn, what's she doing? Ooh, I want to see what she's doing. Yes. I'm never like, oh my God, why ain't I getting that? I mean, who cares about <laughs> that? That's so weird. Isn't it weird? It is very weird. And I would say one of the best tips for being in any kind of business is that it doesn't matter what kind of business it is relationships are at the heart of it. So if you are a jealous, competitive person, that is not going to be good for you. That is something nope. you, you want to work through and do whatever shadow work you have to do therapy, because it's only going to hamstring your career. And also the other thing with it, it's going to get you so stuck in a miserable place where you're no longer feeling good about your work or the people you're serving because you're busy looking at what the other guy is getting. And what a waste of energy. What an incredible waste of energy. Yeah. It's not magical. I kind of want to circle back on you teaching tarot readers. Do you have mm -hmm. a tip? I think this is because I just read that blog post about people reading before they're mm -hmm. ready. What tip do you have for people who want to become professional readers and they're in that gung-ho phase? Like they just learned, they're so excited, they wanna read for other people. What is a good tip for them for how to prepare so that when they do start reading professionally, they're starting off on the right foot? My number one tip, if you have a mentor, a mentor is gold. A mentor is golden. If you have somebody that you look up to that can give you guidance, that is really great. And a lot of people can't get that because, you know, sometimes people can't afford hiring a mentor or if they're trying to work with someone for free. Well, a lot of people don't have the time to do that. But if you can get a mentor, that's really good. If you can't, the number one thing I would say is please continue taking classes even while you're launching your business, because that is, again, going to help you to remain centered on growing yourself, your skills, all of that 
while you are getting out there and doing your work in the world. I think you need a sounding board. I really do. And a sounding board, of course, your clients are a sounding board, but a good mentor or a good teacher is going to be invaluable. Is that something people do in your Patreon community? Is there an opportunity for people to do that for each other? Well, in my Patreon community, you know, we have ongoing classes. And so a lot of people then in the community end up becoming friends, they read for each other. I do a community tarot practice each week, which allows people to play with different little tarot sizes I create for them or spreads or whatnot, you know, just to keep their, their chops sharp. So that is a way for them to work with me and to work with each other. And the classes are live. I mean, the live classes are fabulous because now you have a chance again, you interact with your peers, you interact with other tarot curious or astrology curious people, and you've got a teacher who's there to answer your questions. It's very helpful. Who are and, you on Patreon? I'm going to link to your Patreon, but I just feel oh, yeah. like this is a great way for people that are like, well, how do I get a mentor to at least get started with a teacher? Right on. It's the tarot lady. Same okay. handle as everywhere. Perfect. Another good place to take classes because there's so many good places to take classes. I love the tarot school, Ruthanna Wald Amberstone. They are wise elders. They do such lovely weekly tarot salons every Monday night. Uh, another person who does classes from time to time is Liz Worth. Liz Worth is mm, such a mm -hmm. talent, such a good writer. Uh, Jenna Matlin also does business classes. And she is so straight up and she's really good at teaching business. And then for astrology, Rebecca Gordon Astrology, I mean, she is top notch. There are so many good teachers and mentors. Also, in, if you're in Los Angeles, I mean, you've got the benefit of 22 teachings. And that oh, is yes. run by, yes, by Naha Amarty. I love Naha. And she is a brilliant, brilliant teacher. Highly recommend anything by her. You can find all these wonderful teachers. I love her because her energy feels like what she's teaching people. Like you can be in the room with her and go, oh, I, yeah. think, she, I think I know she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> I would say that Naha Amarty is one of the most magical people I've ever yeah. met. Her and Damian Eccles are two brilliant teachers who both are really super magical. That is so cool because I had her on the podcast a while back. I'm having him on the podcast soon. So I'm, I'm feeling in good company here, Teresa. <laughs> you are surrounding yourself with the best teachers. Damien is such a good teacher. Yay. Fabulous. I'm looking forward. I think it's you who I first heard about him from, to be honest. You stick in my head as the first person who ever mentioned him to me. So I'm excited to to close that circle to make it complete and have an actual conversation with him. And this is just proving your point. You are a networker, a collaborator, a champion of fellow creators. That is something I was going to ask you about, like, who are your favorite people right now? And you just listed off so many. Oh my God. And I've got more. Madam Pamita is really killing it lately. Oh my God. Love her. I mean, there's just too many. There's so many good people and people that I admire. Matt Oren who wrote Psychic Witch has a new book coming out. He's amazing. I mean, we are, we are so blessed right now that we have the internet and we can connect with people like this because I got to tell you when I was learning and coming up in tarot, I was in a rural area. I had nobody 
And that yeah. sucks. That's learning the hard way. The only tarot deck I could get was the Marseille deck, which is also the hardest deck to start with. <laughs> I'm telling you, Joanna, it was a baptism by fire. You had to really want to learn tarot if you were coming at it from that perspective. No internet, the Marseille deck, and no teachers. How long were you a professional reader before the internet got cooking? Well, I was a tarot reader for... I practiced for 10 years before I went pro. Wow. And then I went pro when I was in my late 20s. And I'm almost 60 now, which just kind of freaks me out a little bit when I think Looking about like it. a rock star. I'm trying. But <laughs> but um, I probably, I had, God, I had read for at least a decade before I put a website up. I don't even remember when I put my site up. All I know is that my kids were teenagers. So probably I got into the internet about 20 years ago, maybe mm -hmm. after I'd been in my professional life for about 10. And I remember I was resistant and my kids are like, you're going to get a computer. So I don't want a computer. You're going to get a computer because you need to learn how to do email. I'm like, I'll never need to do email. And they forced a computer on me. It was a used Mac. And so I learned email and then Finally, eventually, one day I put a site up and I said, I better start learning this because this might make it easier for people to find me. And when I put the website up, once I got the hang of all of that, it just changed everything for me. Number one, and that was the first time I learned, oh my God, there's tarot conferences. What? You know what I mean? It was like, it opened me up to this whole new world and all these amazing readers and I was no longer isolated. It's finally like, oh my God, I can connect with my peers. The wonderful thing here about Milwaukee, uh, where's, where I'm located, we don't have a giant group of tarot readers, but we all know each other and we're friendly with each other. Like there's a reader here, Mary Ellen. I've known Mary Ellen for my entire career and she is so fabulous and we're all so supportive of each other there's none of that game playing or icky stuff it's like oh i can't do this work let me send it to mary ellen oh mary ellen's not available el juarez is available connie kick you know so we're really lucky that we have a a positive little vibe going on here but yeah the internet's been super helpful for my business but also to connect with all i mean look at that you and i are talking right now it's amazing I mean, right? Isn't that weird? Yeah, I don't know. I never could have imagined anything that I've done in the last decade. It wasn't even yeah. a blip on my radar. <laughs> I'm like, how did I even get here? I don't know. I was just having fun and making connections and talking about right. things I love. And that's how it happened. It's so weird. I mean, I think about when I was a kid watching Star Trek and we're living the Star Trek life. I mean, I got a phone. I got a, I got a watch where I can make phone calls on my watch. How weird is that? That is so weird. Yeah. How, how do you manage the internet? What do you mean? Like social media? Well, I'm just wondering, I am a super granny at heart when it comes to the internet. I do not use the internet on my phone ever. No Google, no email, no nothing, no apps. And it drives other people bananas, but this is my sanity. Like I work on my laptop, I shut my computer down at the end, you know, at the end of working and it feels like locking up. You do so much. And I'm yeah, wondering like, how do you do that? Like, how do you manage that for yourself? I'm actually number one, highly structured and disciplined. And I also will turn my phone off at night. I almost always have it on focus mode, which means it, uh, people are trying to call me or like most of my calls, except for my kids, my kids will always get through to me. Every other call on my phone goes directly to voicemail. I'm not a phone person. 
So, you know, people who will be like, oh, I want to hang out and talk. No, you don't get, you don't get to do that. I'm very jealously guarding my time. Mm -hmm. So uh, I have specific hours where I do things and everything is mapped out. And like Monday is my admin day. Tuesday is often the day where I'm doing writing and meetings. Wednesday is also a day where I do podcasting, whether I'm recording or if somebody else is recording me, like we're talking on a Wednesday. Uh, I do some writing. Thursday, I record stuff for myself. Friday is a writing day. Saturday is a very light day. Sometimes I'm teaching that day. And then Sunday, I am hard to find, you know, but I also, I, I take the apps off my phone over the weekend. And the only time I end up getting stuck back on the internet in the weekend is if I find out I have one of these damn imposter accounts on Instagram. Yes. Oh, then I have to go back. Well, what has that done? I'm so curious about this because it just seems like a new one pops up every time you turn around. And I'm wondering, mm. I haven't posted on Instagram since 2019. And I, I tiptoed back into it last week. I think it was last week in the last couple of weeks. And I had to make a pact with myself. Like this is just going to be a creative outlet. And I, I just can't hang out there. <laughs> I just don't really enjoy it, but I wanted to find a way to enjoy it. But part of what made me hesitant was watching these imposter accounts go after you and your frustration with Instagram not addressing it appropriately. So my question is, why is it still worthwhile to be there? Well, Instagram is very visual and tarot is a very visual thing. So I think a lot of tarot readers have had the ability to really share different tarot decks or their books or whatnot. So it's a great way to connect, or should I say it was, um, the algorithms have changed and it's been overtaken by these scammers and, and Instagram is very lax about dealing with that. And these scammers have just done an incredible amount of damage. I think people are getting wiser to them now, but I can't tell you how many people have written to me and say, Hey, I thought you, uh, I thought this was you and I gave this person $40 and Oh no. Yeah. I mean, that's happened to me on numerous occasions. So I work really hard to educate people. And I'm also a real, I'm really super aggressive with the uh, scammers. Like I go after them hardcore. It's like, no, you're not going to be able to keep my stuff up there. Mm -hmm. So I pester Instagram as much as I can to get that stuff down. But I got friends who are being copied left and right and they're filing reports and stuff and just Instagram just is lax about handling it. And it really sucks. It's terrible. I'm wondering like, is there a way for all the most powerful people in that industry to like actually get someone up at the tippy top of the Instagram hierarchy to get their attention and make this a real issue? I'm like, we have to go to the newspapers, (laughs) you know, make a story out of it. So the public puts some pressure on these. There There has been some stories, but Instagram doesn't care. Mm. And the other thing is with Instagram, you know, they won't verify any of us. There's like very few tarot authors who've gotten verified. I've got eight books out this year. They will not verify me. They will not give me that blue check mark. It's like, right. And I'm a traditionally published author. I've got a decent sized following over there. I use the platform responsibly. I don't do anything controversial and I cannot get a blue check mark for the life of me. Amazing. Amazing. So nobody listening, take it personally if you cannot get a blue check mark. Yep. Don't take it personally because they just don't care. They don't care. Well, boo on them. Let's talk about creating your own tarot cards. Yes. (laughs) 
let's do that instead. This is so fun because as just a fun project, I am not a tarot expert. Let me again say that with my patrons, we are creating our own tarot deck. It started, I just wanted to create my own and I have such limited time. I was like, I'm going to go super micro, just one card a month. And I was like, this will take me about seven years if I give myself six months wiggle room for what? I don't know, disasters, celebrations, whatever. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to go on this seven-year journey. And I was very shocked that some people are like, and I will go with you. And then shortly thereafter, it's like, what? Teresa has this new book coming out. It's an, another collaboration called Create Your Own Tarot Cards. So I'm like, this timing is so good. It's so good. What can you tell us about creating your own tarot cards? So Quarto Books is a publisher that reached out to me and they said, listen, we're creating this thing. Could you write the intro for this? We need someone, a tarot expert to write some things about tarot and to give people a really good basic intro. And you'll be working with an artist and the artist is going to tell people how to paint their deck and she's going to give them all kinds of suggestions like fine. So I agreed to it because I, I thought it was intriguing. I thought it was a great project. It's something for, you know, old or young. Anybody could get into this and enjoy it. So it's a little kit that's coming out. It's, it comes in a book and it gives you like some tarot intro and then instructions on choosing a theme and, you know, what tools to use and how to paint and Adrienne Hawthorne, who is the artist, she has a shop in Chicago called Pano Paz and she's on Instagram as Pano Paz. She really leads people through and she's got such a bright style and she's just such a neat person. And I love her art. It's so fun. It's so colorful. Mm -hmm. And so she gives people again instructions and then you have 80 little cards you can tear out and you can use those to paint your cards. Yeah, I'm feeling like 80 is not enough. I, I was looking right? at that. I'm like, that only gives you two cards to fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. But, you know, if it inspires you, you could always buy a blank deck. Yeah. And on top of it, I mean, this could be your practice round. Who knows? But her instructions are really tight. And she's creating a deck right now, too, based on, you know, not just the book, but also uh, her deck's going to be more like a plant-inspired tarot deck, which is so cool. Yeah, you can see some of that in her artwork yep. for Create Your Own Tarot Cards. Her work is very bright and happy yes. and childlike in a great way. Like yes. I, I really respond to lowbrow art. It's my favorite. So I think that is part of what drew me to that project. It was like, oh, Teresa, ooh, I love this kind of art. Win-win. I love colorful things. I mean, even though I, I dress it all black all the time, I love big pops of color. And when Porto said, okay, here's the artist, this is the work, I'm like, oh my God, yes, I'm totally in. This is fun. This is peppy. This is bright. It's poppy. It's happy, happy, happy. And that makes me feel good. You know, my favorite tarot deck of all times, it's not a peppy deck like that, but it's kind of a silly deck. It's the Baroque Bohemian Cats Tarot, and it's a bunch of cats in Victorian clothes. That deck makes me smile. It makes me happy. It brings me so much incredible joy. So when I see decks that are colorful or fun or like uh, my Baroque Bohemian Cats Tarot, you know, they put a smile on your face. They're a joy to work with. Yeah. Yeah. You just recently released a deck called Tarot, yes. tarot for Kids. And I'm like, this is so funny because you have the tarot coloring book. 
tarot for kids, create your own tarot cards. I'm like, this is like a Christian nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Empowering the children with tarot. (laughs) Oh my God. But you know what? When I got into tarot, I was 15 years old. And there are so many young people that are intrigued with tarot and, and interested in astrology. And I mean, I've anytime, listen, I'm a kid magnet. And I also, I used to laugh and say, oh my God, I'm not into kids. Listen, I'm into kids. Kids like me. I always mm-hmm. think I'm such a curmudgeon, but they like me because I'm usually wearing a t-shirt with a cat on it. And there's always chocolate in this house uh, and plenty of toys. And I love being playful. And when I start pulling out those tarot cards, kids get into it. kids get into it and they're good at tarot they can look at a picture like the ten of cups they're like wow there's a happy family this is a card of happiness whereas what are we doing as adults we're like analyzing every little detail and looking for oh my god there's something bad in here kids just see the card they know what's up kids are intuitive they're creative they're fun and for tarot for kids sounds true approached me and they said we want to write uh, we want to make a tarot deck for kids and we think you'd be perfect i'm like duh of course i love kids (laughs) of course and so that was an easy yes for me and they hired the most just the most incredibly talented artist kaylee whitman and the way it came together kaylee and i worked well together and we really wanted to create a deck that kids could use but the young at heart could enjoy as well so we stayed very true to the traditional rider with smith but we made it friendly for kids. And we changed a few things just to make it more into topics that kids could relate to. Yeah, totally. I think it's a great deck for working with your inner child too. Yes. And the other thing with the deck, you know, the Rider Waite Smith deck, I love it to death, but it is not a very diverse deck. And we were working really hard to make sure that this deck was inclusive. It was global. So every child could see themselves in that deck. Yeah. So important. Yes, absolutely. Get them while they're young too. You're just going to be like such the rock star for the next generation that's coming up. They're going to be like, I have the coloring book. I have, oh my God. I, the tarot I kit, <laughs> tarot cards. And I just love that. I love kids. You know, my children grew up around all this stuff. And it's so funny because, I mean, I grew up with a very psychic mother and a very psychic grandmother and another grandmother who was really superstitious and religious. So I had all this oogie boogie stuff when I was growing up, but it wasn't the same. And so I've always had the appreciation for omens and, you know, dream interpretation and lighting candles to the saints. And my kids grew up with that because my mother was still around with all of her spooky stuff even though you would never guess it because she was a little old lady but with me they also had tarot and astrology and my children even though they don't work in this field they're very adept at it they know how to read tarot they know astrology they get it because they grew up with it and i love the fact that they use it in their lives and respect it so much you know there was a time where they were kind of weirded out by it because i was the weird mom but then after a while they're like wait a minute hey this is an advantage who wants a normal mom Duh, we want the cool mom. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, yes. Do you ever, I have a feeling that I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask anyway. Do you ever feel hemmed in by your brand as the tarot lady? Like, do you ever feel the urge to just like bust out with something completely off brand and unexpected? Nope. I am who I am. I'm one of those people very early on in life. I knew very clearly who I was. And I've always been very individualistic, always wanted to do my own thing. And I was, I've been very clear about what those things were at a very early age, 
music is important to me. I have no talent for music, by the way. Music is very important to me. Music is uh, probably one of the most important things. Food is important to me. Tarot is important to me. Astrology is important to me. And being who I am is important to me. I've always been one of those weirdos that I, I like myself the way I am. I have no desire to be like anyone else. I don't feel like glamming it up. I don't feel like dialing it down. I don't feel like doing anything else. This is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And I'm going to deliver it in my own style and not try to be anything else. I never want to change things up. And also I'm too damn stubborn for that. You know, I, I, you know, I remember uh, my sister is really kind of funny, but one time she says, damn, you think you're better than you are. You think you look better than you do. And I said, yeah, actually I do. <laughs> and you know, what's wrong with, with just being cool with who you are. It's like, sure, I could be, I could look a certain way or could have a flashier brand or, you know, whatever, but that's, nah. And no, I don't want to do anything else. I don't mm -hmm. want to, that would be, that would just, I mean, this could sound goofy, but that would be off brand for me to go off in some completely weird direction because I am so rooted in who I am and my personality and my work and also the way I want to work. I'm very stubborn about it. Yeah. You know what? Both those things you mentioned, cooking and rock and roll, they come through with your brand yes. anyway, because I can't tell you how many times you've made me want to subscribe to the New York Times <laughs> because <laughs> you'll you'll do their recipes. And I was like, oh, here she goes again. You know, and it always looks really delicious. Well, tonight I am using the New York Times app to make a pasta dish with creamy mushrooms and chicken. And it just feels, you know, winter's cold here. It's not that bad today, but I'm like, I need a creamy dish today. And now that my foot is better and I can stand and cook again, I have been hitting that kitchen for the last couple of days. And it it makes me feel good. And here's the thing. As much as I love to cook, though, this is how I know myself very well. Girl, I would never be a chef. I would not want to work in a kitchen and get dirty and be cutting onions all day and doing the same thing every day in and day out. I am too grumpy and stubborn for that. No, I don't want to do that. Uh, you know, as much as I love to cook, did I ever have an inkling? Should I cook for a living? Sure. I thought about like, no, you know, that isn't going to work for you. You know, yeah. it's not going to work for you. And that's something that's very important. We've got to know who we are and how we work and what makes us happy. And then we've got to figure out how to engineer our lives around that. Yeah. And some passions don't need to be monetized. Oh my God. That is one of my biggest issues are people who think every passion needs to be monetized. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Again, doing something you love becomes a very different animal when you're doing it for the public. A mm -hmm. very, very different kettle of fish. Yeah. And suddenly then people find out, wow, this actually isn't very fun. That's like when I think of cooking. Cooking is creative. It's fun. If I was doing it seven days a week, and cooking dinners for 200 people, let me tell you, that would no longer be fun for me. For some people, that's like their life. That's all they want to do. That would stop being fun for me. Yeah, totally. I, I do have a, I have a biz witchy question for you. Yes, I love business. Okay, so you are a shameless marketer of yep. your, your books and your classes, even when random strangers try to shame you for it. And I just, I love that, you will not tolerate that nonsense and you scare me a little bit because you'll actually call <laughs> it out. You'll call it out. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I would do that, but it's such a great thing to do because it sets the tone for people yes. who are watching. I like what Kellis says at the beginning of the song, Bossy. You don't have to like me, but you are going to respect me. 
Mm. And when I have someone disrespect me because they don't like the fact that I'm showing up and doing my job, which is, by the way, when you have a business, marketing is your job. Yeah. It is your job. You have to do that. If you don't market, you don't sell anything. And that is part of running a business. Any business person knows that if you run a business, you have to market your stuff. And if someone gets mad at that, it's like, that's your business. That's your problem. This is my job. This is my livelihood. You don't get a say in that. You can turn the channel off. It's that simple. Yeah. And you know what's really interesting with this? When I do things that are very business-like, and I'm out there marketing, and I'm not a, even an aggressive marker. I, I just like tell people what I'm doing. Yeah. That's all I'm doing. But most of the time when I get flack from it, 99% of the time, it's from women. There you go. We're right back here again. <laughs> right back to that topic. Yeah. And you know what? It's never young women. When I deal with the younger crew, I never get any problems with them. And, and I've had people say, oh my God, I'm like, no, the younger ones are not the issue. It's always the women in my age group who end up having the biggest issue. Like, how dare you? How yeah. dare you market? How dare you talk about yourself? How dare you succeed? And it's like, wait a minute, what is your problem? Let's all do this. So it's always usually tends to be women in my age group who give me shit, excuse my French, when I'm just trying to run my business and make a living. You know, this is actually very optimistic because it shows we've made some progress. This is old, old programming that is slowly, slowly burning off through the generations because I notice it sometimes. And I think my generation of women, we wanted to be bold marketers. We got the messages that we needed to be, but we still had that fear, you know? So it was about like trying to overcome that. But I can yes. see women that are younger who don't, they just don't have that fear. They don't have the fear. And women in my age group, again, I'm almost 60. There's still a lot of attitude there. And it really makes me sad because, you know, first of all, I'm a girl's girl and I'm also a hardline feminist. And it makes me sad. It's like, listen, I'm on your side. I'm, I'm here. I want you to succeed. Why would you want to bring me down or get mad if I'm having a good time and I'm succeeding, what is wrong with that? And it's so funny because my daughter's in her thirties. And when I look at her and her friends and I've raised her to be a girl's girl like me, I mean, they're like supporting each other, cheering each other on. There's none of that. And I'm like, damn, I did something right if she doesn't have that attitude, but we shouldn't have that. Oh my God, we need to, we need to support each other. And again, someone's success is not a threat to you. You should be happy that we're succeeding. We've come a long way, baby, a long, long way. We've got a long ways to go, though, to get that out of our systems. Yeah, definitely. I know a lot of young people look up to you and want to do what you do. So I'm trying to think about how to ask this. If you, if by some weird glitch in the universe, your work was completely erased from the internet, your books were erased from the bookstore shelves and the minds of everyone who knows you in a professional capacity. They just lost the Teresa Reed chip. <laughs> How would you start your career over today? Like given today's current climate, what would, what would be like a first step that you would take to get started? The first step, you mean after I've been reading for a while and now I want to turn it into a knowing, career? Knowing everything you know, but all of a sudden you have to start from the beginning. Knowing mm -hmm. everything you know, like what would you do? The first thing, if I had to start my business now from scratch, like all the way from the beginning, the first thing is I would be very clear on my boundaries. Mm -hmm. The number one thing I will give anybody for advice, 
doesn't matter about your website, doesn't matter how you read, what matters is how you're gonna be treated in your work. And I would have had the hardcore boundaries that I have now set up right from the jump because that would have saved me a whole lot of misery in my work. And I don't like, again, feeling miserable. I wanna feel happy all the time. I wanna have a good day every day. And one of the hardest lessons I ever learned were boundaries, not just boundaries of clients, but boundaries with peers. Those were things I had to learn really, really the hard way. So I think that would have been as weird as that sounds, and that may not even sound like anything that's very businesslike. The number one thing would have been, you better have your boundaries intact because yeah. that is the hardest thing. It is the hardest thing. Yes, yes. And it's such a painful learning experience, I have to say. It's hugely painful. And you know, there are people then who think I'm like the B word because I'm like, no, I'm not gonna do that. Or no, you don't get that. Or no, you don't get access to that. And it's like, no, this is not me being a difficult person. This is me making sure you're gonna get exactly what you want because I'm clear on what I do and what my boundaries are and how I work and how I want to work. And that is going to make it much easier for people to self-select. So it's not me being difficult, it's me making it easier for you to find whether or not this is right for you and uh. to respect my time, to respect my damn time. And my time is becoming way more scarce now because again, I'm looking right now, I've got a couple more years till retirement and I'm actively working towards my retirement. Actively. Oh gosh, thinking of the way that you handled your mortgage, I'm very excited to see how this is gonna go down. <laughs> I've got eight more years to work. And so it's eight more years where I'm gonna crank out some books and do my good work. And then after that, as soon as I'm 65, my goal is that is probably when I'm going to retire. My retirement, I'll probably still do work, but it's going to become even more selective. Yeah. Way more selective. So I'm aiming towards that. Everything I'm doing right now is preparing for retirement. That's exciting. Yes. it's. I mean, I'm coming into my Saturn return very soon in a year, the second Saturn return. And so let's talk some astrology. Again, I, I hinted at before, I use astrology for, I use it a lot in my business. I use it to map out things when I'm gonna do certain things. And like, for example, when I decided I wasn't gonna do readings for the public anymore, I looked at my chart first. I'm like, yep, this makes sense now, we're done. When I got my first book deal, the plan's right for me. It was easy for me to say yes. Looking towards retirement, I'm looking at where Saturn is in my chart. It is hitting my fifth house in when my Saturn return begins. That's all about investing. And so what am I going to be investing in, in the Saturn return? Saturn return is where you've got to start thinking about your golden years and what you want that next chapter to look like. And so I am already starting early, getting prepared with my eye on the prize and the eye on the prizes. I'm going to retire so I can make sure that I have my precious time with my husband to really make sure that he gets what he needs so we can enjoy each other. Because you know, you just don't know how long you got. And I know that I definitely don't want to be working until I'm like 80 years old. Mm. I want to work less, a lot less. So everything is right now. That's the goal. And I'm goal oriented and I will retire. Oh, we're all going to be watching this. <laughs> yes, I'll still be around. I'm, you know, I'll still be around doing my thing, but not to the level that I've worked all my life. I've worked very hard. I was a high volume reader when I read for the public. I would do like eight readings a day. Wow. I mean, that's a lot of readings, a lot. Yeah. And it's a lot of books and yes. I'm, I'm going to link to a lot of things in the show notes for sure. But for people who are just on the go right now and they want to look you up, can you tell them a URL, a good place just to get started? The best way to find me is always to go to my website, thetarolady.com. 
So I easy. am on, yeah, and I'm on social media. It's always the tarot lady, except I'm on TikTok, which I don't do anything much there. And there, that's the only one where I have the tarot lady official because someone else took the tarot lady. But I'm the tarot lady everywhere. So I'm very, very easy to find. But the website is always the best. That's where you can have access to my classes. There's a link for Patreon. There's my blog, links to my podcast. You can find all of it at thetarolady.com. So simple. Hmm. Well, since I've already interviewed you twice, I'm not going to ask the same question again that I usually do when I end these things. I'm going to ask something about boundaries. Like what is one tip you have for someone who is struggling with that specifically? First of all, it starts with your mindset and you have to value your time, your energy. You have to value yourself. And when you are operating from a place where you respect yourself, when you respect your time, when you respect yourself enough to know how you want to be treated, it becomes easier to set those boundaries. So begin with the self-respect. Begin by really honoring yourself and recognizing that you deserve to be treated well, to be paid well, to be respected. And that makes it much easier to say, you know what, I'm not going to do this. Nope, 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 nope. Respect yourself. This was so empowering. Thank you. Thank you, Joanna. It's always a blast to talk to you. So I so appreciate you. You heard it here. The tarot lady appreciates me. Woohoo! You can never take that away from me. <laughs> How inspiring is Teresa Reed? She's got so much gumption. I love a woman who speaks her mind without fear, but also is graceful and kind. And if she's telling you hard things, it's for your benefit. So you grow and learn and make a living doing something you love if you are an astrology or tarot reader. I feel grateful that we have someone like her in our community. So go over to the show notes, check out all the links to all the things. And if you are having fun listening to the podcast and you want to support, you can do that over on Patreon. If you want to get involved in this thing I'm doing where I'm creating a tarot deck, one card, one month at a time, and then encouraging the people following along on that journey to create their own, definitely join me for the journey over on Patreon. I haven't even posted my first card yet. My Fool card will be going up this week, and then I'm going to leave it up for a whole month until I post the Magician card. And I'm posting them in the form of coloring pages, taking them down after one month, and then I will be saving them and compiling them, possibly, it depends on how they turn out, to then maybe, maybe publish them as an actual deck. We'll see how it goes. This is an experiment. It's an exploration. It's a discovery process. And I'm loving it. I'm super excited about some of the other fool cards that I see people creating. My favorite one, a woman named Amy created, and it's a yoga pose. She is going to do a yoga pose for every one of the 78 cards in Tarot. I think this is going to get more and more challenging as she goes along, but she really nailed it with the fool. And so I'm loving this experience already. We're barely into it. We're barely scratching the surface and it's already so exciting. So <laughs> if you want to, if you want to participate in that, you can join us over there. I have a tier over there also that is called 
the Bebo Effect if you're working with a limited budget and that is a monthly podcast. There will also be some bonus content thrown in occasionally because I do that sometimes. I love me a vlog. I like to vlog. So every once in a while I make vlogs over there. And I've been enjoying blogging. I do blog posts on Patreon. It feels very old school but satisfying. I love it. So I hope that you are enjoying spring wherever it is you are. Maybe you're in the southern hemisphere and you're just getting started with fall. Regardless, I hope it's lovely where you live. Until we meet again, always remember, life is change, change is magic, magic is life, and the journey is the creation. Much love to you. Peace.